You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Wow, that's quite the transition, hey? You guys do it, you guys do it different down here. I like that. <laughs> Best way to get people to sit down, just turn off all the lights. They have to, otherwise. Otherwise, you're going to trip over. I like, we should try that at Mariner. I like that. Uh, friends, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors at CA Church, and it really is an absolute privilege to be here in the land of milk and honey, good coffee, good beer, good food. I mean, you guys are hitting three for three on Spacca. Spacca Napoli, best Italian in the city. Come on. We now got the Outpost, Timber Train Coffee in the Tri-Cities, best coffee in the Tri-Cities right there, in my humble opinion, and then Twin Sales for the beer. I mean, you guys really are hitting hard, and so it's not difficult for me to come down and slum it with you guys in Port (laughs) Moody. It's not hard. Friends, I remember being told as a kid that if I watched too much television, my eyes would go square. Okay, anyone else experience that? Did anyone tell you that? There's some parents in the room like, I told my kid, I told him, yeah. Yep, I was told that. And uh, I'm a bit older now, right? And the reality is that in the 90s, um, my TV really was square. So that had more of a chance than happening. Now, if I'm going to tell my son, Peter, the same thing, you know, our TVs are all widescreen now. So it's like, Pete, your eyes are going to go rectangular. It just doesn't ring in the same way, you know? But here's the thing. I'm older now, so I'm not five years old looking in the mirror, hoping like, have they changed? Oh no, what's going on? No, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, But I do realize something that there's something at the heart of that statement about getting square eyes, which rings true. And it's this, it's this, that as human beings, we really are shaped by what we pay attention to. We really are. As human beings, we are profoundly shaped by what we're paying attention to. You could say it this way, that we become what we behold that we become what we behold. Now, this reality is time and time again why the writers of the New Testament are encouraging us to pay attention to what we are paying attention to. Again and again, in your Bibles, as you're reading, you'll find this idea of taking seriously what we are allowing to enter our minds. Why? Because it shapes us. What we behold, we become. And now you might be going, oh, no. This is going to be one of those messages where John just like goes super negative, tells me all the things I'm doing wrong with my life, talks about cell phones and how they're destroying us. And that's all true, okay? Like that is, these things are actually lethal. But the Holy Spirit can do that work, okay? As I say that phrase, we become what we behold, you know what you shouldn't be beholding, okay? Like the Spirit can do that. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'll leave that with him and with Pastor Cam to do that with you. Um, I want to encourage you this morning, okay, with something amazing. And it's this, okay? This is deeply encouraging. Get ready for it. If it's true, and it is, that we become what we behold, then to behold Jesus is to become like him. If it's true that we become what we behold, then to behold Jesus is to become like him. And here's the thing, friends. I'm not getting this from a TED Talk. I'm not getting this from YouTube. I didn't watch some pop psychology and figure this out myself. This is deeply embedded into the word of God. Let me read this to you. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this. And we all with unveiled face, and look at these two words, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Just note this morning here in Port Moody, the link between those two words, beholding Jesus and being transformed into the same image, which is Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. And who's doing the transforming work? Here's the good news. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Friends, as we behold Jesus, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we become like him. And let me just be real. That language, beholding the glory of God, it sounds a little bit kind of maybe, I don't know, 
ethereal, maybe a little bit stuffy. I don't think the English accent helps, you know, beholding, <laughs> beholding the glory of the Lord, Port Moody, you know, like it kind of, it's like, okay, John, but what the heck does that even mean? Well, in the simplest terms, beholding the glory of the Lord means this, paying attention to Jesus in your life, making space to look to God, to listen to God, to hear from God in our lives. That's what it means to behold. It means to pay attention to him, to spend time in our daily lives looking to him, thinking about him, being with him. There's kind of a guru in the world of spiritual formation. His name's Dallas Willard. And he did some amazing work understanding this journey of how we become like Jesus. And he said this, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. Friends, we are to keep God before our minds. In other words, to be regularly beholding, paying attention to Jesus in our lives. Do you know that that's why we gather every week? We're doing a corporate beholding this morning. My assumption is that you just sung a bunch of songs about Jesus, that you were singing about him, paying attention to him in song. I know that after I leave this place and head up with haste to the 1130 service, that you will be beholding Jesus through the bread and the juice. You're going to take communion as you behold Jesus together. We're doing it right now. We're opening the living God to behold him. We are paying attention as a group to Jesus. And as we do this, good news for you, behind the scenes, the spirit of the living God is transforming us. He is. He is to become more like Jesus, to become people that live and love like him. This is what the spirit of the living God does. And so why am I telling you all this? I've said behold about 100 times today. and I'm going to say it about 400 more if you're playing bingo. And uh, I'm telling you this because we're starting a new series today called Behold. And over these next few weeks of Lent heading up to Easter Sunday, we're going to endeavor to do exactly that in the title, to behold, to pay attention to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. And specifically in this series, we're going to zoom in on the last few days of the journey of Jesus to the cross. And I believe, and I know that as we do this together, as we see the living Jesus as revealed through his living word, we will be transformed. God has some stuff to say to us over these next few weeks. He has some work to do. So, Here's the warning. As a kid, I was told, if I watch too much TV, my eyes might go square. I need to give a warning for this series, or perhaps it's a deep encouragement, that as we behold Jesus together, we might just find that our eyes become more Jesus-shaped. Amen? Would you stand with me? I want to read the word of God together. Can you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19? We're going to read from verse 41. It's going to be on the screen. The reason we're standing here today is because these are words that the Holy Spirit spoke in and through Luke as he wrote them down, that we would have an eyewitness account, a good, trustworthy account of what happened in the life of Jesus. And we're going to start from verse 41. I'm going to read these words to us. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls, encircle you and close in from every side. They'll crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we thank you that you are here today by your Holy Spirit. It really is a gift to be able to gather as your people to behold you. And that's my prayer. Spirit of the living God, would you open our eyes to see the glory of Jesus as revealed through the word today? And that as we do this, as we see Jesus, as we pay attention to you, Lord, that you would be doing a transforming work. You are visiting us here today. You are here today. You can speak and transform our lives. We want to hear from you. So God, would you speak? In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, would you take a seat with me? So we're going to start our journey of beholding this journey towards the cross in this moment. This is Jesus's final entry into the city of Jerusalem before just a few days later he is crucified. Now a bit of context for where Jesus said this. He's at a place called the Mount of Olives. And I actually had a great opportunity a few months ago to be there with uh, Pastor Cam and some others from our church. We were standing on the Mount of Olives. I think I have a picture of it. Um, It's this incredible vista. When you get up there, you literally come over the hill and you see Jerusalem laid before you. This is what Jesus has. He's seeing the entire city before him. And in this moment, something interesting happens. He begins to weep. He begins to cry out. There's so much for us in this text today, friends. But I want us to focus on three things, okay? Today, I want us to behold the weeping Jesus, to behold the longing Jesus, and to behold the visiting Jesus, okay? We're going to look at these three things today. Would you jump in with me first? Behold the weeping Jesus. Verse 41, profound. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. One of the most profound, wonder-inducing realities in the Bible is this, that God, Jesus, is fully God and he's fully man. Okay, He wasn't just pretending to be a human for a couple of weeks. No, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, is fully God and fully man. It's a divine mystery, but it's wonder-inducing. And all throughout the Bible, there are different moments that touch on different parts. You know, the apostle Paul will often, at the beginning of his letters, go into these explosions of praise. He's just thinking about Jesus, and he's telling us how big and mighty and powerful he is. And he'll say things like, Jesus Christ created the universe. He spoke, and everything came into being. He is the risen sun. He is the one who made stars and galaxies. And this is a cosmic vision of how big and powerful Jesus is. Then we have moments like this in the Gospels, where writers are telling us Jesus was a man who got tired. Jesus was a man who felt emotion. Jesus was a man who got hungry. Jesus was a man who liked to hang out with his friends around a table and enjoy a good joke and some good wine and some good sourdough bread. I don't know if it was sourdough, but in my head, it's always sourdough. It's the the best one. It's the best one. Um, But here's the reality. In this moment, we have one of those humanity moments where we get a window into the humanity of Jesus. And sometimes when we're singing all these big songs about how amazing and big Jesus is, we can forget this idea that he really was human. And he experienced the full weight of human emotions and experience that we did. And in here, we just need to stop for a few minutes together on this Sunday morning and recognize the significance that Jesus Christ wept. Now the word here in the Greek isn't some word that's a Hollywood cry. You know, when it says he wept, it's not like the perfect light. You can see it, right? The city of Jerusalem, you got the camera coming in. Okay, Jesus, give us a tear. You know, here, it's, it's, coming, it's coming down. They capture it perfectly. No, this word carries with it a sense of being overcome with emotion. It's an outburst. Jesus is visibly and vocally crying. He's weeping. He's experiencing being, being overcome with emotion. I think this is profound for us to take a few minutes to stop and and see what this means for our life and how we view God. Friends, I'm actually really thankful that this passage made it in. It's had quite an impact over me over the last few 
weeks, and I'll tell you why. If any of you here this morning have ever wept bitterly, if any of you have ever become overcome with emotion, maybe you were in your car, no one was looking, and you were just having a cry because it was really difficult. Maybe some of you have sobbed you know, under your bedclothes like long into the night when no one knew what was going on. Maybe some of you have even been so sad you couldn't get up off the floor. You couldn't get out of bed in the morning. This text, this moment where we see what's happening in Jesus gives us a really interesting picture and it's this, that Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus, our God in flesh, knows what it's like to experience that kind of sorrow, that kind of grief, to be overcome. And friends, that gives us hope. You know why? Because in the moments of life where we're experiencing this, Jesus isn't up there or down here by his spirit going, come on, guys, what's wrong with you? Just get up, get on with it. He's saying, hey, me too. I know what that's like. And that empathy of Jesus, I think, is really important. That when we're experiencing those moments of profound sorrow and grief, we don't have a God on the, judge, on the sidelines judging us, waiting for us to catch up with where he's at. He's saying, hey, I've, I've been there too. I've been there too. And so if you this morning have or are experiencing profound sorrow and grief in your life, do you know that God himself has experienced that sorrow too and he can empathize with you? Guys, there's something simple but profound in this text and I just want to say it really bluntly. It's not a sin to cry. It's not a sin to cry. Jesus is in perfect relationship with the Father. He's seeing things clearly as they truly are. He doesn't have a lack of faith. That's not the reason that he's crying. No, we have Jesus who is encountering a world as it should not be. And we're going to see in a minute, we're going to zoom in on why Jesus specifically is overcome. But what he's experiencing in general terms is this. The world is not as it should be. He's seeing it, he's experiencing it, and his response to a broken world that has been destroyed by sin is to be grieved, to experience sorrow, to experience grief. The tears of Jesus in this moment confirm something that we all know from even one minute of living here on planet Earth. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Something has gone terribly wrong. And the Bible, the word of God tells us that that's human sin and rebellion that has had a profound effect on every area of life here on this earth. In the tears of Jesus, there is this proclamation, this pronouncement that this is not how it's supposed to be. And friends, our lives are filled with moments like Jesus where we bump up against the brokenness of this world. It might be on our screens when we look at a headline and we see an earthquake happening in Syria and Turkey, or perhaps on the front page of our newspapers where we see another boat of refugees who are fleeing from persecution and they're trying to get somewhere and their boat gets turned over. It might be when we're experiencing broken relationships in our own life. It could even be loved ones with cancer. There are so many moments in our life where we come face to face with this reality that something has gone dreadfully wrong. And in those moments, I just want to say, it's okay to feel grief and to feel sorrow. You're not a bad Christian if you feel sad experiencing the broken world. Jesus did the same thing. So can I just start by saying this, friends? If you're experiencing that in your life right now, if you're butting up against the brokenness of this world and you're feeling sad and you're feeling grief, you're not doing anything wrong. And Jesus is with you. He knows what that's like. And he is every moment of that that you're experiencing, he's right there with you. But 
but, but, as Christians, we don't grieve and weep without hope. We don't grieve and weep without hope because the one who's weeping tears over Jerusalem is going to be the one who comes back and wipes the tears dry from our eyes. Because this is who Jesus is. He is a man who weeps, but he's also the risen Lord who's coming back to put everything right. And that's where we get the God-man Jesus Christ who can empathize with our weakness, but he is a lot stronger than us because he's coming back to redeem all things. And there will be a day when the world is put right, where things are made new and there will be no more sorrow, grief, and tears because the world gone wrong will be put right by the one who weeps over Jerusalem. So friends, if you're in that place today, know two things. Jesus is with you. He knows what it's like. Second, he's coming again. And whatever you're going through will not have the final word because Jesus Christ is a redeemer. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Amen. So we behold the weeping Jesus. Secondly, we behold the longing Jesus. Let's pay attention to exactly what he's saying as he's experiencing this outburst of emotion. This is what he says, verse 42. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Now, this moment, such a fascinating window into the mind of Jesus, specifically how he feels about the lost, those who have rejected him. We can hear a longing in the voice of Jesus when he says, how I wish that you of all people would understand the way to peace. Let's remember what's going on here. We have Jesus, the Messiah, who's come to save the people of Israel. He is the long-awaited one that they've been praying for, longing for. The one that the prophets have whispered about for centuries. He's there walking the streets of Jerusalem, but they're not seeing it. They're missing it. They're rejecting him. They're not, they're not getting and receiving and trusting in what he has come to bring for them. And his response to this is a longing that it would be different. How I wish that you of all people, Jerusalem, you can hear it in his words. It reminds me of a passage earlier of similar longing in Luke 13, where Jesus says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, God's messengers. Listen to his heart here. This is the longing of Jesus. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Friends, Jesus says, how I wish that you would see the way to peace. Do you know why? Because he wants to save people. <laughs> it's a simple but profound truth. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and save the lost. It says that in his own words a few passages earlier. Jesus's heart is to save people and he's grieved when he can't do what he wants to do, which is to save when he doesn't have that opportunity because of the hearts of those he came to save. Jesus wants to save people. It's what he wants to do. It's what gets him up in the morning. He's a good savior. I want to read a couple of passages to help us understand God's heart towards the lost. Let me read these for us. First Timothy 2 says this, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. Okay, I actually had to look this one up in a lexicon, all people. Uh, do you know what it means? It means all people, okay? <laughs> I'm serious. 
all people, okay? Just let that sit with you. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus wants to save them. Second Peter 3, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any, again, it's a complicated word, but any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus wants to save people. That's who he is. That's why he came, to save people. And when he isn't saving them, he's longing in his heart. For those who've rejected what he's come to bring, he has a longing. And it's interesting because in this moment, Jesus is seeing a prophetic picture of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Because in this moment, we have both his weeping over their rejection of him, but also a weeping of the judgment that is to come. Because what we see in this moment is Jesus with this prophetic vision of the future, which shows the consequences of Israel's rejection of him. We see the judgment that comes because they've rejected Jesus and he's weeping. Because here's the thing, friends, this passage also reminds us, and it's really important, and we can't miss it, that there are consequences to rejecting Jesus. There are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus comes to save. Why? Because we need saving. Jesus comes to save. Why? Because we need saving. And the Bible is really clear that the wages of sin is death and to reject Jesus is to reject salvation and life itself. So Jesus is seeing a picture of God's judgment against a, picture, against a people who have rejected him. But what is his response? How is Jesus bringing this news of judgment? It's not with celebration. It's not with rejoicing, but it's with weeping. And can we just stop for a second to think about how interesting that is? If I was going to have an opportunity to speak to a group of people who were about to kill me, I don't think I'd be weeping over them. I think I'd have a few different words to say about what I think about them and what they're planning on doing to me. But this isn't God. Even as God is pronouncing his righteous judgment over a people, it's done through tears. That's important. That's getting us to the heart of God for lost people. Friends, can this deconstruct a picture for us this morning? If you think God is an angry bully waiting in the sky for you to screw up so he can smite you today, that's not Jesus. He's weeping over those who are lost. He's not Zeus with a lightning bolt just ready to catch Cam. He's not there. That's not Jesus. Jesus is the weeping Jesus who is pronouncing the just consequences, but he's doing it through tears. Friends, there are some of you in this room who can identify with this feeling of looking at someone, seeing the direction that they're going in and feeling profound sorrow. Some of you have children, grandchildren, loved ones who have just made decisions in their life and they're going down a path and every time you see what's happening in their life, it just breaks your heart because you know there's a different way. You know there's a different way. I think that gets us close to what Jesus is experiencing here. He knows what he has to bring. He knows the salvation that he can offer. And he's brokenhearted by those who reject it. Friends, this is God's heart towards the lost. He's longing for them. He's weeping over them. This morning, let us behold the longing Jesus. You know, there are some amazing moments um, when you come from Coquitlam down to Port Moody. You can head down Thermal, you can head down Gatonsbury, and there are those times where you really should be looking at the road because the, the tightness of the turns is ridiculous. Uh, but you're not because there is this vista before you of the city of Port Moody and the inlet and that horrific green building. It's all there, you know, right in front of you. It's all right there. But in those, mo in those moments, in those moments, um, I think we have to ask ourselves a question. When we have opportunities to see the city around us, 
Um, what's going on in our heart, you know? And, and, and what I mean is this. When Jesus stands over Jerusalem, his heart weeps for the lost. When Jesus stands over Port Moody, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, stands over our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, his heart weeps for the lost. And I think one of the things we need to do this morning is just ask ourselves this question. Do we long for the salvation of the lost in our lives? Is there a brokenhearted weeping at times? Have we ever in our lives wept over the lostness of the lost? The reality that we in this moment are part of a community where the majority of people don't know Jesus and stand under the judgment of God. We need this morning to ask the Holy Spirit to give us his heart. That text I read this morning about the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts, that's the only way we can feel this is to ask Spirit of the living God, would you give me your heart for the city of Port Moody? Would you give me your weeping, longing heart over those in my life who don't know you? And God, would you give me Jesus-shaped eyes to see, Jesus-shaped feet to go, and Jesus-shaped lips to speak truth and life to them? We need a Jesus-shaped vision over the lost people in our lives. I also just want to say this as a word of encouragement. We just read a whole bunch of passages about the fact that God wants to save all people. Do you know why that's encouraging? Because there are people in your life that you've been praying for for years. You have been longing. You have been weeping. And I just want to encourage you, God's heart towards those people this morning is that's what he wants too. Okay? That's the simple reality of the, the text that we read today, that Jesus wants to save them too. You're not alone in that desire. So keep praying. Keep showing up in their life. Keep finding opportunities to communicate the love of Jesus that would welcome them in as a mother hen, as we read earlier. So we behold the weeping Jesus. We behold the longing Jesus. And friends, finally, we behold the visiting Jesus. These are the last words of our passage spoken by the Lord of all creation, the God-man Jesus Christ. These are words spoken through tears and they're poignant and we can't miss them this morning. He says this, you did not recognize it when God visited you. You did not recognize it when God visited you. The people of Israel had Jesus, God, Yahweh in flesh walking among them and they missed it. They missed his visitation. And I want to speak to both groups of people who might be in this room today. First, those of us who know Jesus, I want to, in a moment, encourage us not to miss the continual visitation of God in our life. But secondly, I want to speak to those who might not actually know Jesus yet. You don't know this peace that he's given you. And today I want to encourage you, don't miss the visitation of God in your life. Because Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem wanting to save and he walks the streets and the pews here this morning. They're not even pews, they're seats wanting to save. This is who he is. He's come to bring life. He's come to bring peace and he wants to know you. So can I say, if you're in this room here today and you don't know Jesus, he longs for you. He weeps over you. As we see, he's like a, a mother who wants to gather you up in his arms of love and save you and bring life. You are not here by a cosmic accident, by blind indifference and chance. No, you are created by a loving God who longs to know you. He wants to bring you and offer himself to you, his very life to you. God wants to visit you. Don't miss this. So I want to quite sincerely say this morning, if you don't know Jesus, he wants to know you. 
and you can put your faith and trust in him. You can turn away from sin. You can look to Jesus and you can say, God, I trust in you. I want what you've come to bring. I want salvation. I want peace. God, I want you. Don't miss his visitation here this morning. I think it's profound that he says this. There's, you miss the way to find peace. We look for peace in so many different areas, hey? And I don't need to go through the big list of all the false places that we go through in a week to try and find a moment's peace. They don't work and you know it. That longing that we have to be at rest, to have meaning, to have purpose, to be at peace within ourselves, that can only be found in the one who came to bring it. There is one way to peace and his name is Jesus. So don't miss his visitation in your life. The Prince of Peace walked the streets of Jerusalem. He's still doing that today and he longs to know you. Don't miss his visitation. And to those of us who already know God, we know Jesus, you know this peace. God isn't a one-time visiting God, okay? Cammy doesn't come into your life. Jesse doesn't come into your life. Jonathan, he doesn't come into your life and say, hey, I've saved you, so I'm gonna go to Cancun for a while. You know, just sip on some martinis and uh, it wouldn't even be martinis, it would be more like pina coladas by the, uh, by the pool while you guys get on with your life. No, God is a God who wants to be involved in every area of our life. He wants to visit us. He wants to know us. He wants our attention. He wants to shape every single area of our life. But so often we miss this. Why? Well, because we're not beholding him. Our lives are spent beholding everything else. Our attention is given to everything else. And the one who can truly bring life, the one who can truly bring peace, the one who can speak into the midst of our situation with words of life and wisdom is uh, he's on the back burner. And I just want to encourage us today. God wants to do more in your life. He wants to do more in my life. There's always the invitation of God to come to him, to be with him, to behold him, and to allow his transforming work to continue in our life. And so I just want to invite you in this season of Lent, could it be that this is a moment for us to do some serious work of looking at the areas of our life where our attention is and to ask God, God, where are you calling me to be with you where I'm not right now? What are you calling me to let go of? What are you calling me to put aside so that I could protect and enshrine time with you, beholding you? Getting super practical. Maybe for some of us, that means we're actually gonna come to church regularly. We're gonna do some beholding together. And that's not a judgmental thing. It's an invitation. God wants to transform our lives. He wants to speak and he speaks when we gather as his people. So maybe that is a step that you could take. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's opening up this word that sits so close so regularly. And don't think that I'm not there often in my life. I have been. And praise God that right now, this whole attention thing, he's doing a work in my life. He's not chiseling away. He's like taking a pneumatic drill, okay? Like right now, it feels like God's just do, 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 just like breaking up some stuff in my life. And it hurts and it's not easy, but boy, is it good because it's an invitation to behold him to a greater degree in my life. And that brings transformation. So friends, I don't, I don't wanna list all the different ways. I just wanna ask you and invite you. If you know Jesus, something you can do today is go, God, okay, you you want to do more in my life? Help me, help me see how I can have rhythms of beholding you. How I can have rhythms of paying attention, as Dallas Willard said, keeping you before me in my daily life, believing that he wants to do that and carving out space to listen and be with him. So I'll let the Holy Spirit do that. But friends, if you don't know him, don't miss his visitation. And if you do miss him, he's ready to visit even more. Don't miss it. So today we behold the weeping Jesus, the longing Jesus, and the visiting 
Jesus. Would you pray? Would you pray with me? God of all grace, you are so good. (laughs) You're so good. And this morning, Lord, as we behold you in your word, I think there are so many things that you would have to say to us. Firstly, I want to speak to a group here um, where that first point of behold the weeping Jesus, it's not a conceptual reality. It's what they're feeling today. There are people in here who are grieved and experiencing sorrow. The reality of the broken world is budding up against their lives right now, and it's difficult. God, I want to pray. Would you comfort them? Holy Spirit, would you show up in their life today? Would you speak life to them? Would you remind them that they're not alone? And secondly, would you remind them that there is hope, even in the midst of the greatest darkness, because you've overcome the grave. So God, bring peace, we pray. God, I want to pray for those who are longing. There are those who are longing, Lord Jesus, for loved ones, for communities, for this city. I want to first pray, would you increase that longing in this group of people, in this community here in Port Moody? Would this be a church that longs for and weeps over the lost in this city? God, would you do a deeper work of that in each and every person here today, that there will be people that you place on our hearts that we would be thinking about, praying for, and moving towards to speak truth. And God, I want to pray for those who don't know you in this room. God, you're longing to visit them. And I pray that today they would see what you have come to bring. They wouldn't miss it. That they would receive the peace, the salvation that you come to bring. And that Lord, for those of us who already know you, we don't want to miss you. And so help us to see. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see the things that we need to let go of in order to create more attention, more beholding, more time with you in our lives. We need your help. We're open. And then give us the confidence and the strength, the conviction, the discipline to actually follow up on what you tell us to do. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.